You're listening to sermon audio from Gospelite Baptist Church. For more resources or to donate to this ministry, please visit gospelite.org. I thought I'd start off by saying, first of all, yeah, I think this is probably the first time in church history, in all churches, not just Gospelite, that the drummer and the kids' pastor, I mean, talk about the stereotypes of those guys, they're weirdos. It's preaching in big I mean, in an auditorium, so this is a pretty big step for the church culture. Uh, we're moving forward and allowing random guys to speak. So uh, that could be a yeah, that could be a bad thing or a good thing. We'll find out at the end of this message. But um, uh, I did want to also start off just intro by saying I don't have it all together. You may be looking at me and you say that guy's like 18. Like why is he speaking to me? I'm a young, I'm a little kid still, right? I'm young. And I, I don't have it all together. I'm not the perfect parent. I'm not the perfect children's influence. I'm not uh, by any means that. I make many mistakes, and I think that's a good thing and a bad thing. The good thing is, like, we're in this together. I think we have all can say, you know what, I need, I need some help. I need some encouragement. I need some motivation on, on leading children, whether you're a parent, whether you're a single person that doesn't have any kids but still influencing kids in, in a certain way, uh, whether you're a grandparent, whoever you are. I just hope that the truths that I share with us today will benefit us. And so um, we're going to jump right in. And I thought, you know, uh, it's all about Jesus is our theme. And I thought, man, well, if we're going to make this year all about Jesus, we need to know what Jesus is all about. I thought that was a good thought. I was like, Clifford, that was a good start, Joe. Okay, good, good job. It's all about Jesus. We need to know what Jesus is all about. And, uh, you know, we see in Scripture his, his life story, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And in Matthew chapter 18, we see this story, and I think it gives us a little glimpse into knowing what Jesus is all about. And in Matthew 18, you see the story. The disciples are, are walking along with Jesus, and I don't know how this conversation came about, but the disciples were uh, talking about who's the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so they're talking, like, you know, James, I'm, I'm just naming random disciples, but James is like, I think I might be the greatest in the kingdom, guys, because I did, I did heal that one guy. He was sick, and I just was like, in Jesus' name, be healed, and he got healed. It was crazy. I think I might be the greatest. And then Peter was like, yeah, but I raised the dude from the dead, so that's way better than you. You know, they're just talking about who's the greatest. I don't know. I really don't. But they're talking about who's the greatest, who knows why. And so they asked Jesus. They're like, well, let's just find out who's the greatest. Well, that's Jesus. So they asked Jesus. They say, Jesus, who is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? In verse 2, Jesus, I love Jesus because he never answers the question. He always like, He does answer the question, but he always answers it deeper and more than what you expected. And so Jesus comes in, he's like, who's the greatest king of heaven? And I guess one of the disciples' children maybe, or just a random child that they were were, uh, serving there around them, was there. And so he just brings this little child up to them. And he says, truly I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. So he answers... He doesn't even answer the question. He says, you ain't even going to get to the kingdom of heaven unless you become like one of these little children. Which I thought they're probably standing there like, okay, but who's the greatest? I mean, I'm assuming that's what, that's what you know, I'm thinking, thinking they're thinking. So then he's like, okay, fine, guys. Therefore, he says, whoever takes the lowly position, the humble position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. I think that gives us a little view into what Jesus is all about. I think Jesus... We're going to make it all about Jesus this year. I think we need to know if we're going to make it all about Jesus, we need to make it all about the kids because Jesus is all about the children. And so this, give this, just to give my, my thoughts and hopefully this message a little, a little, okay, I see where you're going here. This is, this is important. We need to make this year all about Jesus. 
we need to look at children, whether you're a parent in the room, whether you're a grandparent, whether you're, again, you don't have any kids. We all as a church body need to come together and make this something that's very important to all of us. And again, I'm going to be speaking to parents a lot in, in the context of that, but everyone is involved. And we'll see here, there's two truths that coexist. Oh, wait, actually, I forgot to mention that fifth verse. The fifth verse says, and whoever welcomes one such a child in my name welcomes me. And so if what I'm getting from that, if I'm correct, is I, I'm the children's pastor, so I welcome the kids. And so I welcome Jesus. So I guess I have the most important job, not the pastor. I have the most important job. I get to welcome Jesus to church every, every Sunday. So, so, you know, pay raise or something if you want. You can do that. I'm just kidding. I'm joking. But uh, let's get serious now. So two truths that coexist in our world today about children. And that first one is no one has the potential to influence a kid like their parents. And so, like I said, I'm talking to parents, and so we know this is to be true, right? The, the statistics tell us, the numbers, the data, whenever there are parents involved in a kid's life, they're going to be drastically affected by their parents in, a, in either a good or a positive way. But the potential is there. When you have two parents in the household, it's, it's just, it's just a, it's common knowledge, it's, a, it's, it's there. But that doesn't leave everyone else out. And that's where I want everyone else to perk up here. The second truth that exists is a parent is not the only influence that a child needs. It's vitally important. It's vitally important. The, ch- the child needs his parents, but there's certain circumstances that parents, parents need help. You know, my, dad, my dad's a great example of this. He comes from a, a split household, but he will tell you, and I've heard him tell me and tell many people, he had so many influences outside of the walls of his house that influenced him in a, in a situation that wasn't quote-unquote ideal. And so this church can come now and say, let's make this all about Jesus this year for our kids. Let's come together. Let's band together. And let's teamwork to influence the life of a child and make it all about Jesus this year for our kids. So let's dive into six practical ways. There's six practical ways, I think, that can really help us and benefit us and allow us to make this year all about our kids for Jesus this year. And so... Um, one thing I, I thought that helps, helps us before we jump into the six points is we have this thing called time, all of us as parents. And so uh, this cool little visual I thought would be helpful is I've got this jar of marbles. And this right here is approximately 936 or so weeks marbles representing the weeks that you have from birth until 18 until that kid, your kid graduates from high school. That's the time you have. With your children. And you know, it's interesting. We count weeks, uh, the lives of, of babies, we count them by the weeks. You know, you post it on Facebook every week, you know, week one, their week one, we go, two weeks old, and then it's month. But you see these, t- this is time right here that we have with our kids. And it looks like a lot, a little, sort of a lot, but also a little bit, right? And the truth is, when we see how much time we have left, we tend to get serious about the time that we have now. And so, the Bible even tells us, number our days. In Psalm, in Psalm 90, he says, teach us to number our days, that we may gain a heart of wisdom. And so this is a, thing, a good little practice that we can all take. It doesn't have to be this example, but just in your head, in your calendar, in your mind, number our days. And so when we number our days with our children, we say, this is how much time we have. We need to take every marble, every week, every moment very, very seriously for the cause. Now, who in here has a ninth grader? We got a couple ninth graders in the class. If you if you if you do, you this will resonate a little stronger with you. If you already had a ninth grader, you'll be like, I definitely see where this is going. But if you have a ninth grader, this is how much time 
you have left now. It's a drastic difference, and you don't think about it, but time goes by fast. And so we can't just let that scare us and say, oh, no, we have to leverage the time we have to make it all about Jesus for our kids. Because there's only a few times left. Ninth grade, man, you're... Ninth grade, you're learning to drive in Arkansas. You got ninth graders, and so, you know, you're learning to drive a couple weeks there. Uh, then you go to, you know, you go to 10th grade, and girls start becoming in the picture. And, oof, your prayer life gets up. And you, you, you and then you got 10th grade. Then you got 11th grade, and they're learning. They're studying their, their, their books. They're learning. They're trying to get the best grades so they can get a scholarship maybe to class or work on their sports and get a scholarship. And then 12th grade comes, and they graduate, and you've lost all your marbles. They're gone. And so you only get a few marbles, guys. And so we got to use these marbles for the cause of Christ. We got to influence our kids. We got to let them know that they're worthy, that they're, that they're loved, and that Jesus loves them. And so uh, we're going to jump in. I forgot to say this last I'm horrible at the, at the point, so forgive me with this. But when you see how much time you have left, you tend to get serious about the time you have now. But also when you see how much time you have left, you tend to value what happens over that time. And so when I look at these two truths of time we have left and time we have now, the time we have, that's, that's all the time we have. Over time. We got to take that serious. And, and it, it, it builds on one another. One week won't make the hugest difference, but every week showing up and doing what we need to do, maybe doing something practical to love our kids, to help our kids, it's going to make a huge difference when they grow up and become an adult. And so we have to leverage the time we have now. So with that being said, Miss Corey, I mean, Miss Tanner, excuse me, Kendra Loshi, she shared some things we're doing great. And I, I was encouraged by that. And we're doing some things intuitively as parents and as, as lovers of children to influence them. But I want to take it to the next level, last year's theme, plug. We need to do the things that we're doing. We're doing some things intuitively very well. But let's start doing the things instead of just doing them intuitively because we're created in the image of a heavenly father that loves us. And he said, even you who know how to give good gifts, you know how to give good gifts to your kids. I'm a heavenly father. I'm the perfect father. We're, we're doing an intuitively good job. But let's take the things we're doing intuitively and start doing them intentionally over time. And when we do that, it's going to make a huge, huge impact on the lives of the next generation. So let's jump into it. Six things that we can do to make a difference in our children's lives over time. And so I, I said it before, I'm an insecure speaker. So when, as I say these points, you might say, that's obvious, Joe, like, good job, like, we know that. But don't, don't do that, or you can think that, but then just say amen and just, just tell me I did a good job. That way I feel better about myself because I'm really insecure. And I, I'm, that's why I'm drinking water. I'm, I'm, I'm thirsty, so. Number one, the first thing we can do over time is love. Love our kids. When we love our kids, it makes a difference. But when we love them over time, it gives them this deep soul sense of worth that makes a massive difference. You know, I think about how did Jesus love us? How did Jesus love us? He shows up. You think about your life. You think about the times that you've gone through chaos and you've gone through struggles and you've gone through messes. And who showed up? And save the day. Jesus shows up and said that you know, he didn't just show up in our in our day-to-day lives. He showed up for us two thousand years ago when God said, you know what? I'm gonna show up in the form of my son Jesus. I'm showing up on earth literally to show you how much I love you. 
And that's powerful. And I think, you know, why did God just solve the sin problem? Why didn't he just say, Adam and Eve, I created you in the image of, of me. This is a perfect situation. And then they sin and say, oh, wait, wait, stop, snap. Let's fix that. I don't like the sin thing. That's not a good thing. Let's just make. Why didn't he do that? He wanted to show us that he loved us enough to send himself, his son, to die for us on a cross on this world. I mean, he, uh, the Bible says in Hebrews 4.15, For we do not have a high priest who is unable to empathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who has been tempted in every way as we are, just yet he did not sin. And so he showed up to empathize with us. He loved us. He wanted to feel what we feel and experience what we experience, the creator of all things. That's love. That, I mean, whenever I'm involved in a situation, maybe I'm in charge of it, I'm like, oh, I don't necessarily want to get involved. I want to let everyone else figure that out. God's like, no, I want to get in the dirt down and dirty with y'all, and I'm going to show you I love you by being present with you, by showing up. And so it's a simple, a simple principle and a simple practical thing we can do, but teachers and especially in educators, but everyone in this room, what we can do for our kids is show them we love them. We just got to keep showing up every day. It's going to get hard. Some days you don't want to show up. Some days you're tired. And some days you're going to be like, oh, they're just driving me crazy, right? But if you just keep showing up in the lives of kids, that says more than you can ever say, really, is just showing up, being present day in and day out. Keep showing up. And it will drastically give these kids this amazing sense of worth that's going to carry them to follow Jesus. Number two. Number two, the second thing we can do is words. Words. What does words over time do? Words over time give you direction. They give these kids direction. You know, I mean, our verse, whatever you do in word or in deed. Our words, if we're going to make it all about Jesus, we got to make it all about Jesus in our words of how we use our words over time to our kids. Psalm 119, 105 says, thy word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. You see that, the direction that, that the God's word gives us, right? And not just God's word, our words, our parental words, our education, our teachers, the words we use, our just everyday contact with kids. Are we speaking life into these kids? Or are we just talking about how bad they are? And I'm speaking from conviction, not from perfection. My wife said, "Mm mm-hmm, you heard her. (laughs) So one of the most important things we can do in this and, and speaking words of life to our kids and, and, and also having them speak to us. Because sometimes our kids will shut up and won't talk to us because they're scared. So we've got to create safe spaces for our kids to talk and for us to talk. Dads especially. We, we get, I get nervous sometimes. I don't want to say the things I need to say to my kids because I haven't created this safe space for us to have dialogue and have the words and speak life into them. And so it's very important for us to create safe places for our kids to talk and for us to talk to our kids. What we say matters, but also what we don't say matters. We need to learn to listen to our kids as well. And when we do that, it builds credibility, it builds, it builds trust, and we're, we learn a lot when we listen as well. And not just are always trying to tell them everything we need to do. We need to learn to use our words, but also not how to not use our words over time. And when we do that over time, it creates this direction. It's the direction to how to follow God, how to follow after Jesus, and how to have the vocabulary, the words that they can develop, that we're sharing with them, that we're pouring into them, that's going to give them the direction they need to discover who Jesus is on their own. Number three, the third thing we can do is stories. Now you say, stories, Joe. What are you talking about? Stories of bedtime? Stories over time? Stories over time 
If we tell kids stories over time, compelling stories over time, it gives them this perspective. A perspective, and that's very, very needed in our lives and in the lives of our children as young people. We are wired not to learn from information. We are wired to learn from stories. Stories are so powerful. Information is great, getting data, getting statistics and stuff. But when we, if you think back about your life, the stories that you heard, the stories that you were told, the stories that you lived is what, how you learned the most and how uh, you were, it was most effective in, in your learning process. Pre, uh, preschool educators will tell you the more t- fiction stories you read to your kid as a child, the higher levels of empathy that they will have towards the world around them. Stories have the power to move us to become people of empathy. And empathy is a very, I mean, we read it in Hebrews, Jesus came to earth to show us empathy. It's a very, very important thing if we're going to make it all about Jesus. We need to have kids and develop kids and ourselves have empathy for our kids and then our kids in turn have empathy for those around them. J.K. Rowling is the author of Harry Potter. Uh, I've been into Harry Potter lately. I'm a kid still, I guess. I love it. It's, it's been really interesting. But J.K. Rowling is the author of Harry Potter, great writer. She says this, we are the only species that can imagine ourselves in someone else's shoes. And it sounds simple when you say it, but when you hear it again, you listen, think about it. We have the ability, God created in us an imagination, a, a, a brain. And that's what we know kids by the most, is right? Their imagination. And sometimes we're like, that's imagination is too wild. They're too crazy, right? God created us an imagination to, speak, to be able to imagine what it's like to be in somebody else's shoes, which is empathy. And it's so important as we, as we are raising our kids, as we're, as we're leading kids, to not just shut them off and not give them compelling stories to hear and, and feel what someone else feels because that perspective is going to train them and change the, lot, the way that they view people around them. And they're going to be empathetic and want to reach people for Christ and not shut them out and, and exclude them. And this is speaking to us as ourselves as adults. Sometimes we need this. Read a fiction story. It'll help. You know, I think about the Bible. Why? The Bible is primarily a book of stories. The whole Old Testament is stories. The New Testament, the Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the stories of Jesus. So, you know, you think about that and you're like, why is the Bible stories and not just like, okay, do this and don't do this? Yeah, there are a couple of those in the Bible for sure. But it's primarily a book of stories. I mean, the whole Bible is the story of Jesus. And so when I think about this truth of the Bible being stories, why, why did God do that? Why did God make the Bible a book of stories for us to learn? Well, I think he wanted to give us some perspective because we're not going to go through everything that everyone else went through. But it, when we understand how what other people are going through, it changes us and it changes our, our level of love and empathy towards those people. You know, I think about the Bible and we, you know, we, we try to sometimes use it as, as like a roadmap and like, all right, follow this exact, you know, oh, he did a good thing here. I'm going to be like this guy or, and things like that. But I think about the family and the Bible has a lot of families in it. And, you know, I was like, okay, let's pick a family to model our, our, our life after, a story to model our life after. All right, let's look at the Bible. You know, you got Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve were uh, good at, you know, for a whole couple seconds. They were great. And then sinned, tough, had Cain and Abel. And you see how that family turned out. Cain murdered this brother. I mean, that's not a great model to follow, I don't think. We should, we should probably, let's not follow that model. You got Noah, right? Noah. Noah in the ark, great man, and I'll just leave it here for you to discover, but, you know, he got drunk and naked, that's a whole thing, uh, unless you discover that, but not exactly the best model, I would say, to follow, right? Not exactly the best family model. You got Jacob and Esau. 
Jacob and Esau, right? Conniving mom, a super naive dad, couldn't even tell which son was which. Um, and then a sibling rivalry, just their whole life, just fighting and arguing and trying to one-up each other, right? Not exactly the, the best family model to follow, I would say, right? You got Joseph and his loving brothers. These guys loved him, took care of him, threw him in a pit, sold him to slavery. I won't, I won't recommend that. If I'm, if I'm, I'm just going to say you probably shouldn't tell your kids to do that. Uh, it's a good model not to follow. You got David and Goliath. I mean, that's an cl- amazing classic story. David kills Goliath, marries Saul's daughter, Michael. And then there's that little part about Bathsheba commits adultery and murders her husband. Not exactly, again, the best model to follow, but yet he's a man after God's own heart. You see, it's like, wait, okay, I'm so confused. Am I supposed to follow him? Am I supposed to follow Then you got, okay, let's go to the, this is perfect, the, the, the perfect family. The mother of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. I mean, okay, let's follow their model. Well, the only story we got of them and, and their parenting is they left Jesus at the temple for three days and didn't know where he was. DHS got called. Jesus is getting raised in a foster care system. I mean, it's bad. It's bad. Luckily that for them, there was no, none of that. So it was just like, hey, here he is. I've been taking care of him at the temple for you. So, I mean, luckily, don't follow that out. Don't leave. Your, my dad left Mo on the front row one time back in the old building. Don't call DHS. That happened a long time ago. It hasn't happened since. But you see, the Bible is this, it's all these stories, and you're like, okay, Joe, what's the point? You're telling these stories, give us perspective. The point of the Bible and these stories in the Bible, why did God give us these stories? Because they're about broken people like you and me, about broken families like ours that demonstrate who God is. And when we, it's not just the Bible stories, that's what our stories can do too. When God does things in and through our lives, and we're able to share that with our kids and tell them compelling stories about what God's done in our lives, man, that just, that speaks to, speaks to their heart and to their, their will to see this perspective on life and say, wow, my parents have lived it out and are telling me about it. This is amazing, my perspective. And I mean, my dad's a key, all the stories he shared over the times, if you've been here for a while, the crazy stories that God's allowed him to live out and live through. And I see, wow, God showed up in his life a lot. I think he can show up in mine too. And when I see that, and when we tell our kids stories, Bible stories, yes, but also stories about what God's done in our lives, I'm telling you, it gives our kids a perspective that's going to give them empathy and also change the way that they see the people around them. And it's going to be a difference maker in their lives. And it's going to be like, okay, Jesus was empathetic. I see the, I, I'm learning to be empathetic through these stories. And it's going to change their world and change their life and be a huge impact, have a huge impact on, on their lives. Number four, number four, the fourth thing that we can do to help our kids and make it all about Jesus this year is work, work. And what do I mean by work? Well, work over time creates significance, creates significance in the life of a child. You know, I think about sort of a, sort of a, a, a way that I say it, maybe you've heard it this way, when you do something, you, 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 you work for it, maybe you've told your kids this, or you've, you've heard this from your parent, you get a little skin in the game, right? You get a little skin in the game, you get a little significance, like, okay, this matters, this is important now, because I'm working for it. 1 Timothy 4.12 says, Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example for the believers in speech and conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. And the interesting part about this is, this isn't Timothy talking to the young people. This is Timothy talking to the church, to the leaders, and saying, Guys, this is what you need to tell your kids. Don't tell, 
tell them, don't let the world look on down on you because you're young. Don't let me look down on you because you're young. The adults, but be an example to them, believers. Do good works, conduct. And when you do that and you see God moving in their lives and they're able to do something and say, wow, God used me. That's, they get this sense of significance and say, I matter to the kingdom of God. And it changes everything. What we do affects what we believe. And that's especially true for children and kids and young people. What they do affects what they believe. When we give kids increasing opportunities to serve, it's going to change their life and say, I'm not just sitting on the sidelines watching God work. I'm actually a part of the work of God. And you know what? Kids can grow up in, they can grow in and up in church and our programs, but they will never grow up and out of what God did through them. And so that's why it's so vital for us to put, God, put our kids in opportunities to serve, in opportunities to, to, to work in the kingdom of God, and not just take it all, the reins all of ourselves, but to give our kids opportunities to see God work through them. And when we do that, it's going to give them this importance, this level of like significance of like, wow, like I matter to the kingdom of God. And they're not going to want to leave it. They're going to want to embrace it and, and jump head first into it and say, I'm going to be a part of this thing. This is amazing. I, can't, I could never do this on my own. And so work over time equals significance. I mean, I think about our, our theme verse again, whatever you do, do in word or in deed, do everything. I mean, there's some action there. There's some work involved. There's some serving involved there. And so doing the work over time in a child's life creates significance. The fifth thing, the fifth thing that we can do. Now, before I say this one, I would remind you one more time, I am insecure. I am. I need some help here. I need some feedback. Someone say amen after I say it. Just so press the amen button. Because, yeah, but I, you might not agree with it. I mean, that's why I'm prefacing it. I like to preface things. My wife knows. Because I'm a little nervous. I don't want you to misread what I have to say. So I'm going to tell you this fifth point. And, and then, yeah, you just nod your head if you're not an amener. Maybe you can do the little thumbs up if you, something. Just give me a little feedback, okay? So the fifth thing that we can do over time. Now wait, before I put that, don't put it. So some of us are going to be good at this. Some of us are going to be like, oh yeah, good point. But then some of us are probably going to be like, that doesn't make any sense. That's not very spiritual, Joe. I don't know if I agree with that. Don't have the kids pastor speak again, pastor. He was not on point. This was not right. This was not right. All right, I'm going to tell you. I'm just going to tell you. The fifth thing we can do over time. Fun over time. Oh, I got a little, I got a little fist bump back there. Thank you. I'm feeling better about okay. It's spreading. Fun over time equals connection. And connection is vitally important to the life of a kid. Um, Nehemiah said it in Nehemiah chapter 8. He says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. And I think, my opinion, we can measure the strength of a church. We can measure the strength of our home by how much laughter there is. The more laughter, the more joy that we see, people look at it and they say, wow, that's a strong family. They're well connected. They love each other. They're, they're, they're you know, the, the families that are just sitting there all sour and like not showing any love, not laughing. It's like, man, who, who, who put a snake in their boot? A little, woody, a little woody plug there, right? It's like, what in the world's going on? But fun, again, fun over time is going to create this connection. It's going to create this connection with our kids. You can measure the strength of a church or home by how much laughter there is. And you know, maybe this, is gonna, this, is the, this point 
this point hurts me a little bit. This is a conviction. This is not, again, me not, this, I'm in the trenches with you guys. I got four young kids. This is hard for me sometimes. So I'm not, this isn't a correction. This is, this is preaching out of humble, like, I'm with you. This is hard sometimes. But maybe sometimes we try to just fix kids all the time instead of just enjoying our kids. We just fix them all the time. You did this wrong, you did this wrong, and this is me. Just trying to tell them all the things they did wrong and fix it. And, and we're not having any enjoyment of who they are and who God created them to be. And so if we want to connect with them, and sometimes I'm a little harsh. If we want to reconnect what's been disconnected, we need to have fun over time. Fun over time reconnects what's been disconnected. And this is true for both ways. Maybe you say, yeah, I'm, I've said some harsh thing to my kids. I've done some harsh thing to my kids uh, or to, to kids as a teacher, as an influence over kids. And this is for everyone. And say, man, I'm disconnected from them. I don't feel connected to them anymore. Have fun with them. Have fun with your kids and the kids that you influence. I'm telling you, you'll reconnect. You'll have joy. You'll have laughter. And you're going to be able to open up and see them open up. And this is true on both ways. I was talking to Chloe right after the service from this first service, and I said, yeah, it's true both ways. Like, we think about, like, when we mess up for our kids, and, you know, we need to get, get, get that connection back. But it's the same way, the opposite way, when, when we feel like you messed up and, and, and you didn't do the right thing, and so I'm, I'm mad at you as a parent because you didn't obey me. That's me. And I get, I get frustrated. I'm like, why, why do I want to have fun whenever uh, you disobeyed me? Well, when we have fun over time, it reconnects what's been disconnected. One of the best ways we can break down the walls of someone who is broken or hurt, maybe that we have broken or hurt, is to have fun with them. Fun over time also, it reconnects what's been disconnected, but it authenticates forgiveness. And going back to that, that illustration, you know, whenever you want to show your kids that you've forgiven them or that they've forgiven you, have fun with them. Because you can't have fun with somebody you haven't forgiven. You can't have fun with somebody you haven't forgiven. If you want to see kids running to your home, running to you, running to the church, running to uh, this place, the two things that are going to do that are joy and forgiveness. Fun authenticates forgiveness. And so whenever there's that times where we feel disconnected because of a, a mess up, a hiccup, a hang up, uh, a, a bad, a bad uh, obedience. And, and we just get upset instead of waiting till it gets fixed. The way to fix it is to have fun and experience joy with them and connect with our kids. And that's going to develop this connection. That's going to solve all the issues and the problems that we have. And it's going to fix those things. And they're going to be like, wow, they love me because they want to have fun with me, even though I, I'm not perfect. And that's what God does with us. When we have fun with our kids, we are fighting for the integrity of that relationship. And so when we sit down and we say, I'm going to schedule something fun with our kids, no agenda, nothing involved. I just want to have fun with them. It's going to be like, whoa, I'm, I'm, I'm want to connect. They want to connect with me on a deep level. We want to laugh and have fun. And it might take time. It might take effort. It might take a little, little perseverance. But when we do that, it's going to change the perspective in the life of that kid. And so I challenge us today, schedule something fun. Schedule something fun. And again, not just once. Let's do it over time because we only got a little time left. We only got a little time left, folks. This is all we get from the beginning when they're born to influence the life of a child and make it all about Jesus for them. And if we're going to do that and make, make the most of our time and value what happens over time, we got to 
have fun with our kids over time, and it's going to give them this connection to us and to a loving Heavenly Father that they need to know about. Number six, number six, the last thing that we can do. The sixth and final thing uh, that I have, and I could go on probably a lot longer and have a lot more points, but I'm not that smart. The sixth thing we can do, and this involves every single person in this room because you're a part of Gospel at Baptist Church, at least today, is tribes over time. Tribes. What does tribes mean? Over time, it gives you and gives kids a sense of belonging. A sense of belonging. And we all deeply desire that sense of belonging and needing to know that we fit in, that we're a part of something that matters. Three things that are true about people, about kids, young people especially, teenagers. There's the three things. I'm going to say them quickly, and then you're going to be like, that doesn't make any sense. But here they are. Three things. Number one, they care more about what their friends think than what you think. Right? Number two, they care more about what other adults think than what you think as a parent. And then third, they care more about what you think as a parent than what anybody else thinks. Doesn't make any sense, does it? They're kids, they're teenagers, they don't make sense. They don't make sense, right? These kids care more about what friends think. And you know what? It's funny, when we don't, we, sometimes as parents, we get upset with that. You know, it's like, you, you want all the influence and all the power to say, what I said is good advice. But sometimes our kids need to hear it from other people. And so we shouldn't be shortening the circle. We need to widen the circle. Widen the circle. And when we widen the circle and be intentional about putting other people in their lives, other adults in their lives that love God and that, not just anybody, we need to know, we need to be intentional about it. But when we do that, it's giving them more opportunities to hear the words, to have the love, to hear the stories, and to, and that's going to create all the things that we've been talking about this whole time. So we got to widen the circle and be intentional about putting other adults in that circle. Proverbs eleven fourteen says, where there is no guidance, a people falls, but in the abundance of counselors, there is safety. And so when we have more counselors, wise counselors, and more people involved in our kids' lives, the more belonging they're going to feel and the more wisdom they're going to have. You know, it's a funny, a funny little illustration. It's like simply this. Maybe you can, you can vouch for this and see, uh, say, oh, yeah, that's been, I've had that happen to me too. Whenever uh, my dad, me, maybe my brother Mo, and, uh, you know, maybe church leaders were having like a meeting and we're trying to discuss something, a f- fix a solution. We're trying to fix, fix some problem and come up with here's what's happening, but we need to make it better. You know, we have, and we'll, we'll all brainstorm and have some ideas. And I'll be like, okay, I got a good idea. I think this is a good, good idea right here. I'll share my idea. This is how we can fix it. I think this will be a really good problem, uh, a way to solve that problem. And, you know, it's like, at first it's like, they hear it and they're like, no, not going to work. That's a horrible idea. Not going to work, not going to work. You know, weeks later, months later or so, they come back. Guys, I figured out how to fix the problem. And they say exactly what my idea was a month ago. And I'm like, wait, what? And they're like, yeah, I was talking to so-and-so. And they told me that this would be maybe a good idea. And I was like, that makes so much sense. And I'm like, but that's what I said a month ago. And I'm like... But the point was, I wasn't mad that they didn't give me the credit for coming up with the idea. I was happy because the solution was solved. It didn't matter who it came from. And so I think as parents especially, we need to widen the circle, be intentional about putting other adults in that circle so that you hear the wisdom that maybe we're sharing from a hundred different angles of all this wisdom pouring in. And for some reason, like I said, those three truths, 
one of them is going to resonate at one point and they're going to be like, bam, and hit it in the head and they're going to be able to make, and we're going to fix that solution. We're going to solve that problem by having a wider influence, wider circle of wise counselors and adults in their lives. Connect every kid to more than one adult. Connect every kid to more than one adult. It's vitally important to the lives of the kids. Because again, like I said, the, the first two truths that coexist, Parents have the potential to influence their kids the most, but a parent isn't the only influence a child needs. And so us as a church, we need to come together and say, I want to be a part of that influence. I want to be part of that, that person, the, the, that group that influences these kids to, to love Jesus and to serve Jesus and to make it all about Jesus. And it takes a church, it takes a village, as they say, to raise a kid and to have them nurture. Because we only got a little time, guys. We only have a little time left. So we got to leverage the time that we have for our kids. You know, I'll put the, the six main points on the, point, on the board real quick. Leverage, we've got we, we to love our kids over time. Love our kids over time. When we love them, when we keep showing up day in and day out, even when we are struggling, we feel weak and we feel tired, say, I'm not going to not show up. I'm going to show up. I might, not be, I might not be at my best, but I'm going to give it my best. I'm going to show up. And be in the lives of my kids and give them a sense of worth that they desperately need. When we share our words and speak life into our kids over time. When we do that over time and give them the words that they need. The vocabulary that they need to develop to discover who Jesus is. It's going to give them that direction. When we share stories, compelling stories over time. And we share with them the love of Jesus from the scriptures. And the stories that account for all these broken people. And all these broken families. And all these broken things. But God still showed up and did amazing work with these people. It's going to give them a perspective that's going to change the way that they see the world around them. When we work, we give them opportunities to serve. Opportunities to see what it's like to be a part of the kingdom of God and do some kingdom work. It's going to give them a sense of significance. A sense of importance that's going to resonate deep in their soul and going to last for a lot longer than they're in just our, our, our short little time of we have influence. When we have fun with them over time, it's going to build connection. It's going to build a, a level of, of connection that allows them to open up, allows them to see that, man, they really do love me. They really do forgive me. They really, man, I felt disconnected, but now I feel, I feel connected because of the fun that they're having with me. And when we have tribes over time, our church comes together and says, you know what? Day in and day out, this church is all about Jesus, and Jesus is all about kids. And so we're going to make this year all about kids for, our, for, our, for the next generation because we only get a, few, a little time left. And if we don't leverage the time that we have now, this, this, this from birth until 18, 936 weeks, what, that's all we got. We got to leverage the time that we have to make this year all about Jesus for our kids. And so I just challenge this church, as the worship team comes and gets ready to play and sing, maybe you're in the room and you say, you know, Joe, it's, it's, it's interesting that you, you made that point at the very beginning. You said, uh, you know, about Matthew 18 and, you know, Jesus answered him by saying, if you want to even get to the kingdom of God, you got to be like a child. Maybe that's you this morning. Maybe you say, I, I've never heard it like that. And I thought I knew about, you know, getting into the kingdom of God, but I haven't come like a child. And so uh, maybe, maybe I have some questions about that. Maybe that's you this morning. And you can come and we'll have some elders and people up front to pray with you and maybe ask a question about that. You can say, I want to I I know more about that, about entering the kingdom of God. You know, and then I want to make it all about Jesus this year by just making the decision to follow Jesus. And then the rest of us in the room, maybe you're, you're in here and you say, Joe, I do want to make this year all about Jesus. And it sounds like Jesus is all about the kids. He made a pretty big deal about it. 
And so I think the, the six little things that you said, I want to try, I want to, I want to do those things. I want to, I want to schedule something fun. I want to speak words of life. I want to love our kids by showing up every day. Maybe that's you. You can just sort of make a decision maybe by coming to the altar, maybe in your seat, just praying and dedicating your life and saying, God, this year, I'm going to make it all about you by making it all about our kids this year. So I just want to challenge everyone this week, wherever, this, this, today, wherever you are, wherever you're at, to make a decision in some way or fashion. And so we're going to pray, and then we're going to stand and sing and uh, come to the altars if you need to, and we'll have people up here to pray with you if, you if you need that prayer. So let's bow our heads and close our eyes, and let's pray and ask God. Lord, we just thank you so much, Lord, for, for the time that you've given us with young people. You know, we were a kid once too. That's what's crazy. And we can think about, about our lives, and we think about the many influences that impacted our lives to get us where we are today. And I think that, that initial thought will help us to be like, man, we, we need to be a, a part of that for the next generation too. We had people that showed us love and words and stories gave us opportunities to serve and gave us the sense of belonging and fun that we needed to, do, to be who we are today. And so, Lord, I just ask that you'll help every person in this room just to follow, follow, follow what you said and make it all about you this year for our kids. We love you, Father, and we thank you again for loving us, for dying on the cross for us, for sending your son to show us how much you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may stand.